All right, I will say good morning, good morning. Beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors, the Dafyomi Shir, for dedicating the Sherman Joshua's this month in memory of Mr. Milton Martyr, Mordechai David Ben Rafala, Colin Sichorn Lebracha, to thank the Elbaum family for dedicating all of the Shurim and Joshua's this month in commemoration of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov Kapel Ben Rabaram Menachem, to thank our Day of Learning sponsors, Sherry and Alan Steinmetz, and Allison Adam Steinmetz, commemorating the Shloshim. Today of Sherry's father, Adam and Allison's grandfather, the Neshama Shadav and Aliyah, to thank, <laughs> okay, it's interesting, our Dafyomi sponsor today, an anonymous sponsorship in honor of someone's birthday. Okay, I'm guessing whoever, whoever that is knows who they are, but that's, uh, yes, unless this is a typo, but that's the information, that's the information I have. Good, and... Matt and Diane Marks for dedicating the shir today, memory of Sylvia Marks, mother of Matt Marks, and Mirza Hashem, all of the Neshamas, Shraf and Aliyah, and the families, a Nechama. And we'll say with that, let us begin. So again, let's get started. So we'll say today's daf is Peivav, 86. 86. And we are picking up Mirza Hashem on Peihei Amud Beis 85b. And we left off, we left off Ella Amrafuna. So we'll say we are two, four, six lines after the battle. So we'll say, so just to reorient ourselves a little bit. So if you remember again, we had a Mishnah. We had a Mishnah. All good things start with a Mishnah. Remember again, so what, what did our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah spoke about the following situation. That if a woman made a nether and she said, Konam she'ini osa picha. Right, Rachel's married to Ruben, and Rachel says to Ruben, Konam, I make a nether, I'm not going to give you any benefit. So we'll say, what's the halacha? So we had an interesting three-way machlokis in the Mishnah. Tanakama says, what does Ruben have to do with such a nether? What does he have to do? Zero. Why? Because essentially she's making a nether to uproot an already existing obligation. And as we've already established, if you make a nether to uproot an existing obligation, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. That was the Tanakama. Rabbi Akiva said, no, he should, Reuben should go ahead and annul the nether. should be made for the nether. Why? Because Lamaisa, the only part, there's what she's obligated to provide him, and then there's what's called Hadafa. The nether, the additional amounts. Technically, the nether could devolve upon the additional amounts. So therefore, you should be made for the nether so that it's not chal, it doesn't take effect on additional amounts. Good. But we're focused really on the third position, which is Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri. What did Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri say? Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri said, Yafer Shema Yirgashena Sura Allah. So this is very interesting. So Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri says, here's the dynamic. Here it is. Rachel makes this nether. Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri agrees with the Tanakhama, namely... The nether doesn't take effect now. Doesn't take effect. Why? Because Rachel is obligated to go ahead and do certain things for Ruvain. For, right? So therefore, the nether doesn't take effect. What is Yochum Minuri concerned about? That should one day they get divorced, the nether would take effect. Would take effect. And I will say, this goes back to what we said before, because remember, again, I will say the distinction between Hafara in, in Nedarm of Inui Nefesh versus Varim, bless you, Beinola Beina. What's the fundamental distinction? When a husband is made for inui nefesh, how long does that hafara last for? Forever. Dvarim beino lebeina, only when? When they're married. So there Rabbi Yochanan Minuri says, right now the nether doesn't work. But Lamaisa, should they get divorced, the nether absolutely could take effect. So therefore, you should be made for it, lest it get, take effect when they get divorced. Comes along Shmuel, which is a very quick chazara. Comes along Shmuel, and Shmuel says, the fact that also seems to solidify another concept, which is that a person could go ahead and consecrate or sanctify something that is not yet in existence. 
not yet in existence. Why? Because Rabbi Yochanan Benuri's whole chap is annul the nether now because of something that may occur in the future. Now, did the, it, has that future occurrence materialized presently? The answer is no. Yet, Rabbi Yochanan Benuri is saying you can take action now to go ahead and potentially impact a future or a potential future reality. Well, that sounds like that a person can consecrate something that has not yet come into existence. The problem the Gemara says is Shmuel doesn't hold that way based on another source that we quoted on the top of, on the top of Ahmed Beis. So we'll say that's where we're up to now. How do we reconcile these two positions of Shmuel? To which the Gemara says, Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. So we'll say, what's the case? What's the case? I'm sorry. Well, actually, let me just tell you. So the case that the Gemara brought up, brought up, ultimately, again, the Gemara brought up that posed a contradiction was, that essentially, if a, if, a, if, a, if a husband went ahead and was maktish, the earnings of his wife. So Shmuel essentially said that, that this does not work. That this does not work. So what could potentially be a case in which, if we were to look, so now the Gemara says, What's the, what's, I'm sorry, what's the case in the Mishnah? The case in the Mishnah is where the wife is saying, my, my hands should be consecrated. The nether that she's making is that my hands should be consecrated. Now, both say, now what's the chap of saying my hands should be consecrated? Hands are a dvarim sheba'uli olam. So she's consecrating something that already exists. If a woman says, that my hands should be consecrated. Does that work to consecrate her earnings? After all, but at the end of the day, her earnings, her earnings are meshubat, right? Her earnings are, however you want to translate that, encumbered or owned by her husband. See, even if she is, even if she consecrates her hands, Lamaisa once was running into the same problem, which is she can't consecrate something that essentially someone else is entitled to. So what's the pshat? Which the Gemara says, the, the Amra l'chi megarsha. What is she saying? I'm going to mekadesh my hands ultimately again for when I get divorced. That's fine. But hashta miha lo megarsha. But l'maysa right now she's not divorced. Omimai d'chi amra hachi mehanya. And first of all, who says that that works? I'll say, let's, let's, now we're going to switch gears for a moment. Listen, listen how the Gemara is framing this. We're now saying that perhaps this is a case where the woman says, my hands should become, should become hegdish, so to speak. Which also, what does it mean when you make your hands hegdish? What that means is you're being maktish your earnings. So just understand the godless of that. The godless of that is you're being maktish something that exists. So now this is now no longer a davr bali olam because it's the hands. It's the hands, right? But what you're doing is you're being maktish it for a future state. So she's essentially saying my hands, i.e. my earnings, should become hegdish if and when I get divorced. To which the Gemara says, does a statement like that actually work? What's the problem? Both say, take a look, top of Peivav, Amar of Ilo. So Bila says as follows, listen to this. It's actually a very interesting case. Uma Ilu, Amar Lechavero, Sadazu Shani Mokre Lecha, Lishe'ekachena Mimcha Takdish, Milokacha. So listen to this case, Rabbi saying. Imagine the following scenario. Ruvain, Ruvain is selling a field to Shimon. Ruvain is selling a field to Shimon. So what happens? Ruvain says to Shimon, this field, Shimon, this field that I'm about to sell to you, 
when I purchase it from you, when I purchase it from you, when I purchase it back from you, takdish. So we'll say, here what's happening over here. Ruben's selling to Shimon, and Ruben's telling Shimon, after I sell it to you, I'm going to buy it back from you. And when, upon buying it back from you, this field should automatically become hectish. Okay, that, that's the condition he's making. Now, we'll say, the Gemara says, Milo Kacha, doesn't this work? Doesn't this work? Right? Does not, doesn't this work? So the Gemara says, so, fine. Uh, that, so, say, so now listen to this. So, Milo Kacha, Milo Kacha, say, so now what's happening? So, why is the Gemara bringing down this case? So, the Gemara wants to suggest that Lemaisa, Lemaisa, isn't this the same thing as the woman's case? She's, what is she saying? She's saying, right now, my hands should become, should become, should become hegdish upon divorce. So, okay, the Gemara says, does this work? Well, it sounds like it should work, because after all, why is this different than the case of Reuven selling a field to Shimon, and Reuven says to Shimon, right now I'm selling you the field, I'm going to buy it back from you. And when I buy it back from you, it should become hegdish. So the Gemara says, no. Maskif l'rabirmiya, mi dami, you cannot compare those cases. I'll tell you why. Sada zushani mochalacha, hashta biyadehi. I will say, here's the very big difference. Right? In this case of Reuven and Shimon, right? who's currently in possession of the field? Who's currently in possession of the field? Reuven. Right? Remember, you're going to say, what's the case? Reuven is currently in possession of the field. He's getting ready to sell this to Shimon. He's saying, Shimon, I'm going to sell you the field. And guess what? That's step one. Step two, what am I going to do? I'm buying it back. And when I buy it back, the field should become hectic. So I will say, I could hear that that could work. Why? Because Reuven is making a tenai regarding something that what? He currently owns. He currently owns. So I, even though now the item is going to be leaving his possession, but he currently owns it, he's already planning to re-own it, I understand why that could work. So the Gemara says, Isha, the But I will say, in the case of the woman, right, going back to the Rachel case, what did Rachel say? Rachel is currently married to Ruvain. What's the, what is Rachel saying? These hands should become hectish when I get divorced. What's wrong with say? Who, so to speak, owns the rights or the Messiah dime of those hands right now? Who owns them? Who owns them? The husband, right? So in other words, she's trying to make a time. I'll say, but I just want to be clear. You know, obviously, the husband doesn't own his wife's hands. When we speak about ownership, we're really talking about entitlement to certain earnings. But the way just we phrase it is the owning of the hands. So therefore, again, the Gemara says over here, so here, Rachel's trying to make a tenai, but at the time she's making the tenai, she does not really have full control over her earning powers. So because of that, maybe she can't make the tenai. So in other words, well, so what the Gemara is suggesting is, maybe the only time, it's actually very interesting, maybe the only time that you could legislate a future reality is when? Is when? When you have complete present control. But if you don't have complete present control, you can't start making conditions about future realities. So the Gemara says, Hello, dummy. So you're right. Maybe, maybe the Ruffle case is only comparable to the following. Hello, dummy. Elali Omer Lechavero, Sada Zu. Sada Zu Shemachartilach, or Shemachartilacha. Supposed to listen to this. Maybe it's comparable to the following case. Ruben selling the field to Shimon. But in this case, Ruben, said, Ruben already sold the field to Shimon. He sold the field to Shimon, right? And Ruben now says to Shimon, Shimon, that field I already sold to you. Likisha Ekachena Mimcha Takdish. When I buy it back from you, it's going to become hectic. So the Gemara says, Mikacha, does that work? And the answer is, the answer is, it doesn't work. The answer is, it doesn't work. 
Nebosai, why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it work? Because at the end of the day, at the time that Reuven is making the Tanai, what does he lack? What does he lack? Any sense of ownership or control over the field that he's trying to manage. I was like, just to understand, what is Reuven trying to accomplish? Right? You're asking yourself, that's an excellent question. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea what he's trying to accomplish. So I was like, what he's trying to accomplish is like this. He sold the field to Shimon. He's going to buy back the field to Shimon. For whatever the reason, right, what he wants is the moment he buys back the field, the field becomes hectic. He doesn't want to have to deal with that process buying it back. He wants to put in place a process that is going to be triggered immediately upon the, the repurchase of the field. So he says, so again, step one, Ruvain sold the field to Shimon. Step two, while Shimon is the current owner of the field, Ruvain says to Shimon, when I buy it back, it will become hectish. Step three, Ruvain buys the field back from Shimon. The field is not hectish. In other words, Ruvain can be mafkashit if he wants, but what is it going to require? What is it going to require? His action. So we'll say, what do you see from here? You see from here, when something is not under your complete control, you don't have the ability to legislate a future reality. And I will say, this would seem to be comparable to the case of, of Rachel in the previous case, where she's married to Ruvain, and now at the time of marriage, she says, when I get divorced, or if I get divorced, my hands should become hectish, so to speak. It would seem to be based on what we just learned. What's that? What would Allah be? It does not work. Why? Because she does not possess current control over those earnings. So says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Papa. So Papa says one second. Me dummy. Still, can you compare the cases? Listen to this. Gabi zvina psika milsayu. Gabi isha mi psika milsayu. To which the Gemara says they're very, very different cases. We'll to take a quick look at the rush. The rush is in the right-hand margin, like right in the middle of the margin, right in the middle of the rush. So middle of right-hand margin, middle of the rush. In the field case, at the time that Shimon owns the field, what rights does Ruven have in the field? What rights? None. No, I will say you have no rights in someone else's property. So Ruben has, Ruben has nothing to do with that field. He has no rights. So that makes sense that he can't go ahead and make a condition that says, when I buy back the fields from you, Shimon, the field is going to become hectic. Because he, no, he has no hold on it. However, again, Gabe Isha, Milsa, Rash, so the Rosh says over here, So I say, listen to this. In the case of Rachel, does Rachel own her hands? Does Rachel own her hands? Yes, of course. Right? In other words, no one ever owns the hands of another human being. And he says, so I the hands of another Jew. So we'll say, so, so Lamaisa again, so Lamaisa, Lamaisa, the Gemara says like this, in the case of Rachel, maybe Rachel does have the ability to make a tonight about the future state of her hands. Because Lamaisa, unlike the field case, where Reuven has nothing to do with the field, no rights in the field, time that is sold to Shimon, a woman always has rights in herself even at the time of marriage. So maybe she does have the ability to legislate some future reality regarding the status of her earnings. So that's what the Gemara says. So the Gemara says, When it comes ultimately to a sale, a sale is absolute, and therefore Ruvain has no rights in the field when it comes to Shimon, when Shimon owns it. And therefore, maybe that's the reason why Ruvain doesn't have the ability to legislate any future realities. I will say, by the case of the Isha, even when Rachel's married to Ruvain, so even though Ruvain has rights, 
right? Rachel still owns her own body, right? Rachel still owns her hands. So maybe she does have the right to legislate future reality. So which the Gemara says, you're right. Hello, dummy Ella. It's only comparable to the following case. Listen to this. is very interesting. So we'll say, now listen a little bit of a switching gears here. It's very interesting. So we'll say, Rabbi Gemara says, compare to the following case. Ruvain, Ruvain borrowed money from Shimon. And what did Ruvain do? He collateralized a particular field. Right? So he collateralized the field. So now Shimon has that field essentially as a picadon. As a picadon, as a, a collateral. Collateral. So watch this. So what, what does Ruvain say? So we'll say, so now remember again, not our Sugin but a very interesting one to discuss about the rights of a creditor in a picadon, in collateral. So we're going, we, we, in other words, let's work under the assumption that a creditor almost becomes a quasi-owner over collateral. So watch this. So now Ruvain borrowed money from Shimon. Ruvain collateralized his field. So now Shimon has that field as a picadon, as collateral. And Ruvain says, that field that I collateralized to you, when I redeem it from you, what does it mean when I redeem it from you? What does that mean? What does that mean? When I pay off the debt, and I get back full, unencumbered title to that field, taktish. The field will be consecrated. So the Gemara says, Milo Kacha, that works, that works. Shabbos say, this is actually a good case, because this actually sounds like it's comparable to the case of Rachel. Why? Because we'll say, the, the case of Rachel is, is a little bit like a collateralized field. How so? What's the chap with a collateralized field? Right? We'll say, one person has ownership. But another, right, 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 one person has like title, but another person has what? Rights. Rights. So that almost sounds like a little bit of like the marital arrangement, right? So in other words, Rachel owns herself. She owns herself. Husband has rights to certain earnings. And yet we see that in this case, if Reuven were to make this condition, right? So Reuven's field is presently collateralized to Shimon. And Reuven says, my collateralized field, when I pay off the debt and I get back full and clear title to the field, or full and clear rights to the field, the field should become Hagdish. That sounds like it works. That kind of tonight should work. Well, if that's the case, then Rachel should be able to what? Rachel should be able to say, when I get divorced, my earnings should be Hagdish. To which the Gemara says, no. No, no, no. Maskefer of Shisha Rei Drav Idi. No, doesn't work. I'll tell you why. It's not a good comparison. Me, dummy. Listen to this. Me, dummy. Sadabiyadalif dosa. And we'll say, who controls the process of, of decollateralizing the field? Who controls that process? Ruvain. Uh, right? Ruvain. Ruvain control. How does he control that process? Paying off the debt. So, so in other words, it's it totally in his power to go ahead and regain complete rights over the field. Isha biadali is garish. I will say, does a woman have control over the get process? No. I will say, it's one of the, you know, again, if, if, even for those, right, for, for, for all of us who, of course, have complete allegiance and fidelity to halacha, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to Torah, you know, one, one of the hardest things sometimes that we encounter is, is the level of powerlessness that often a woman has in the get process. Okay, Kashparakuna's wisdom structure things a certain way that we don't understand. But but Lamaisa, the Gemara says over here, Lamaisa, the Gemara says, that Halakha Lamaisa, a woman doesn't have the ability to go ahead and trigger a divorce process. Right? So it's not in her power, so to say. Now the truth is, a woman could absolutely do certain things or not do certain things in order to trigger a divorce, the, the need for a divorce. But Lamaisa, at the end of the day, the bottom line ability 
to be divorced is a venasan biyada. Right? Husband has to give her the get. So Lamaisa, the Gemara says, Lamaisa, the Gemara says, it's not comparable. It's not really good. In other words, conceptually it's comparable because both the collateralized field case and the married woman case are both a case of where individuals own title but other people have rights. Right? But Lamaisa, they're dramatically different because in the case of Ruvain's collateralizing the field of Shimon, Ruvain could decollateralize it any moment he can by paying off the debt. So that's why perhaps now he has rights to legislate future realities regarding that field. But an Isha woman doesn't have the ability to control what the future status of being married or divorced is going to be. So perhaps the Maisa, if because of that, she doesn't have the ability to, to, to legislate future reality in her current state. To which the writer says, Hello, Damia, so what is it comparable to? Hello, Damia, Ella. It's very interesting. So I will say, listen to this. You have this interesting case. I don't know if it's interesting. I don't know if, if, if contemporarily this happens. person collateralizes a field for a certain amount of time. Right? So I will say, this is actually very interesting. So Ruvain essentially collateralizes a field to Shimon for 10 Do people do this? Stuff like this happen? Collateralize something for a certain amount of time? I don't know. All right, whatever. I'm sorry? Alone. Alone for, for a particular duration. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, mortgage. Oh, mortgage, right. Good. Okay. So, I should get out more. Okay. So, Salamaisa, listen to this. So, now what's happening over here? Ruvain collateralizes a field to Shimon for 10 years. So, I'm both saying, now what's different about this case? There's a duration. Now, the chap over here in this duration is during the 10 years, Ruvain can't touch the field, right? In other words, the way, the way this is structured, the way this is structured is that Lamaisa, again, Lamaisa, Lamaisa, during the 10 years, Ruv, that's the way this is structured. Ruvain can't decollateralize it. Right? So that's it. It's yours. It's your collateral for 10 years. After, so now what does he say? What does Ruvain say? After 10 years, after 10 years, so Lamaisa on the field should become hectic. And the Gemara says it works. So this should be comparable to the case of a woman because she also has kind of the same thing, which is for a certain amount of time, however long it is, right? For a certain amount of time, she's not going to have control over her earnings. But at the moment, she does have control over her earnings. She chooses to be maftashit. To which Nabo said, this one you can anticipate the refutation already. To which the Gimara says, it's not going to work. Of course it doesn't. The comparison is not good. Hasam kayitz isha mi islekitsusa. I will say, no, we saw that one coming already from a million miles away, which is, the comparison is not good. In the case of the field, the duration is quantified, right? So again, I understand, for so Ruben said, for 10 years he can't touch it, but the Maisa, what do I know, what do I know is happening after 10 years? What do I know? It's reverting back to him. So it makes sense that because he knows something, there's going to be a defined reality at the end of 10 years, it makes sense that he could then say that what? In 10 years from now, the field will become hectic. By an Isha, by a woman, ultimately, again, there's no defined duration. If you look at the Ran, last two lines of the Ran, the Ran says again, right? In the field, there is a duration in which she'll be able to go ahead and redeem it. Or whatever, Eser Shanim. Last Ran, I must say, there's no defined duration for the woman because maybe she will be divorced, maybe she won't be divorced, maybe she won't be divorced. And therefore, Hilchach Dinhu Delo Lehavi Hektish, Kimigarsha, Kevin Shikdisha, all the Tafta. Therefore, I must say, maybe it could be, maybe it, it would seem to be 
that if she tries to be maktish, her earnings now while she's still married, such a statement is not going to work. Ella, Amr Bezer, I'll say, Ella, Amr Ravashi, see, here we go, I'll say, Ella, Amr Ravashi, shiny konamos, dechi kedushas haguf dami. I will say, this is absolutely fascinating. Ravashi now is doing, is doing a total, going in a totally different direction now. This has nothing to do with Adam Maktish Darasha Bali Olam, Lo Bali Olam. This is something dramatically different. Ravashi says, Nidarim are different. Now, specifically, a Konam Nether. And I will say, what's Konam? Remember, what's Konam? Konam is a Kinui, right? Konam is an equivalent term for what? Karban. Karban, Hekdish. So now comes along Ravashi and he says, Konamos are different. Now, why are Konamos different? Dechi Kedushas Haguftami. This is wild. Because he says making a konam is like Kiddushas Guf. So also remember again, konam means carbon. When, let's, take, let's pause for a moment. When you make an animal a carbon, I'll say, what happens to the animal? What happens to the animal? It's Kaddush. What type of Kiddusha? Kiddusha Saguf. It's, it's fundamental bodily Kiddusha, which means that the entire body of the animal changes from being a stamen animal to suddenly being vested with a heightened level of sacrificial sanctity. So Ravashi says, when you make a konam, a konam essentially produces kidusha sago, physical sanctity. Now, what does that mean? Take a look at the Ran for just a moment. It was a top Ran on Peibaba Mudez, 86b. First line in the Ran in the right-hand column. Amr Ravashi, shiny konam is the kidusha sago, watch this. Shaharei, heim ki kidusha samizbeach. I will say, when you make a konam neder, konam neder creates almost like Sacrificial mizbeach, right? Sacrificial, right? Altar sanctity. So it's very interesting. When you make, when you make an animal, when you consecrate an animal as a carbon for the base of which is a carbon for the mizbeach, such an animal does not have redemption. You can't redeem that. You can't redeem that. He says, says So too, if a person makes a konam neder, there's no pidyon, there's no redemption, meaning what? So when you create a konam neder, that iser is absolute. Now I will say, the Ran is not saying that there's not hatara or hafara. There is. But what he's saying is the nature of the iser is an absolute iser without exception. Without exception. The chayvan the konam kidusha sagufu. And therefore, since konam effectively creates kidusha sagufu, this is wild. What is it? I'm going to read this in the before we the Gemara. It effectively uproots any pre-existing lean encumbrance or Sheba that may exist. Look, pause here for just a moment. Watch what's happening over here. Konam is effectively... What, what are you doing when you make a Konam Nadar? You're making a Nadar that operates on the principles of carbon which creates sacrificial bodily sanctity. So now watch this. If when you take an animal and you say, right, behema zu ola, what have you done? You've invested the animal with physical sacrificial sanctity to the point that what? To the point that what? It uproots anything else that was already on that animal, any other identities that were on that animal, and ultimately applies equally to everyone. So what's what the Imam is suggesting is like this. When a woman makes a konam neda, that nether employs the mechanism of carbon. What that effectively does is vests her, so to speak, with Kiddusha Sagof. Now, not literal physical sanctity, but physical sanctity to the point that what does it do, Rabosai? 
it removes any other pre-existing liens or obligations, which would even include who? Even include who? Even include her husband. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. That's the power of a konam neder. She go, Ran goes on, he says, it's in the last white line of the Ran, on top, it'll even uproot the shibud of the husband, and therefore the neder will take effect. In reality, Shmuel holds that a person can't consecrate something that has not yet come into existence. You can't consecrate a davar shalom baliolam. That's what we're going to pass. Should I both say, this is pretty wild. This is pretty wild. What we are now suggesting, you hear how wild this is? Do you hear how wild this is? What Ravashi is effectively suggesting is that when a woman says, Konam, here, let's, let's go with the Lushan of the Mishnah. What was the Lushan? Uh, konam, Konam She'eni Osapicha. Right? I make a neder, a Konam neder, that I can't give any benefit to you. They will say, what has Rachel effectively done in that case? She has made a neder that employs the mechanics of carbon, which effectively creates Kiddusha Sagov. Now, in this case, what Kiddusha Sagov means is an absolute application of the neder to anyone and everyone, including who? Including her husband. To the point that what Shmuel is suggesting, Rabbi Yochanan Asandra is suggesting, is that if a woman makes a konam neder, prohibiting herself from giving benefit to her husband, it actually uproots the husband's entitlement to her earnings. Wild. Absolutely wild. So I'll say, now watch this. So the Gemara says, Amra, back to the Gemara, Amra Vashi, shiny konamos, a konam neder is different. Why? Because again, a konam neder creates kedushas haguf. Now I'll say, again, I just want to be clear. When he says a konam neder creates kedushas haguf, it doesn't literally mean that the woman is becoming, in other words, there's no sanctity on the woman. There's a sanctity on every human being. But there's no particular, what he means is, just like Kedushas Haguf is absolute upon the entire entity, let's say originally an animal, so too this neder takes complete effect across the board to the point that it uproots even pre-existing shibudim, even pre-existing entitlements and encumbrances. Rava, I will say, now this is not a Chiddush over here. Rava already says, what Rava said, Dama Rava, Hegdish, Chametz, Shichrer, Mafkian, Midei, Shibud. So I will say, this is actually quite beautiful. So what happens? So what happens? So Hegdish, making something Hegdish, right? Making something Hegdish. If you look at the Ran for just a moment, just, we'll take, these are longer Rans, which I will say you should look at on your own. But for today, I'm just going to show you just the beginning of each of them. You see the Ran, Dama Rava, Hegdish, it's almost right across in the Gemara, right hand side. Kigon asa shoro apotiki labal chovo vikdisho achakach lemizbeach mafkia also hektish shibud hamalva the gobo kovomi mokamacher. Boss is a great case. Watch this. Ruvain borrowed money from Shimon, and what did Ruvain do? He collateralized his 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 ox, his ox, and then what does Ruvain decide to do? Ruvain is feeling very inspired. So what does he do? He's makdish the collateral. Right, he's makdish the collateral. Say, what happens when you're makdish your collateral? Something incredible happens, which is, which is, the item becomes decollateralized, ultimately becomes fully hectish, and now the creditor has to collect his debt from somewhere else. So what do you see from here? What do you see from here? The power of hectish. So I will say, this, this is exactly what we're saying. 
When you're makdish something with kiddushas haguf, with physical sanctity, that physical sanctity becomes so absolute that what it does is it dissolves any pre-existing obligations. It's wild. So much in the same way that when Reuven borrowed money from Shimon and Reuven collateralized his, his goat, let's use goat as, well, what did he use over here? He says, Shoro is ox, right? And now he collateral, and now what he's makdish his ox, this ox should be a carbon. Creating Kedusha Saguf, that Kedusha Saguf dissolves the, 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 collateral, the, the, the collateral status. So we'll say similarly again, Chametz also does this. What happens with Chametz? Skip down a little bit on the run. Chametz, Yisrael Shosho Chemtu Apotiki, Lovei Kochavim. We'll say, listen to this. If Yisrael, same case, Reuven borrowed money, but in this case, he borrowed money from Gentile. Right? He borrowed money from Gentile. So what happens? And he made, he made Chametz collateral. Apotiki is in a collateral. Apotiki, collect from here. Right? He made the Chametz collateral. So what happens? Va'avra Allah Pesach. And I will say, now what happens on Pesach? You see, here's the problem. If Ruvain still owns that Chametz over Pesach, then what's the problem? He's owned Chametz over Pesach. That's an Isra Daraisa. So what happens when Pesach comes? The Isra Chametz comes along and removes the collateralization. Removes the lien. That's what Chametz does. Okay, Vasar Ba'ana. So again, the, the ramifications of that we're going to leave. The point over here is that Chametz is another thing that ultimately removes pre-existing obligations. And Shikhrer. Rebbe will say, what's the case of Shikhrer? The Rav says, Asa Abdu Apotiki V'Shikhrero. Listen to this. Let's say, let's say Ruvain borrowed money from Shimon. Ruvain had an avid Kanani. An avid Kanani, a Gentile servant, a Gentile slave. And what does he do? He collateralizes the servant, which you can do. Then what does he decide to do? What does Ruvain decide to do? He emancipates the servant. Shabbos say emancipation is so strong that what? That what? That it literally has the ability to go ahead and it literally has the ability to go ahead and remove any pre-existing liens. Shabbos say out of all of these, these are all interesting, the one that matters to us most is what Shabbos say? Hektish. Hektish. Because what is the Gemara saying? When you go ahead and you're maktish something, the act of physically consecrating, this is with Kiddusha Saguf, the act of endowing something with physical sanctity Freeze it, freeze it, or dissolves any pre-existing obligations or entitlements that may be upon that entity. So the same way I say, so again, in a very simple case, right, I went ahead and, I, I, I right, Ruvain lent money, Ruvain borrowed money from Shimon, gave his ox as collateral, then Ruvain is Makdish's ox, that Kiddushas Haguf dissolves the collateralization of that item. So to what Ravashi is suggesting, that when a woman makes a nether, and the way she makes a nether is konam, which is carbon, right? Ultimately, again, my benefit to you should be like a carbon. Ultimately, Ayyan Ravashi suggests that creates Kiddusha Saguf, a physical manner, not literal physical sanctity, but an absolute new state in the reality which dissolves the husband's entitlement to his wife's earnings. Absolutely wild. To which the Gemara says, here's the problem. So remember again, we're suggesting that this is the position of Rabbi Yochanan Benuri. But here's the problem. What did Rabbi Yochanan Benuri say? Rabbi Yochanan Benuri said that when the wife, made, when Rachel makes this nether, the husband should dissolve it, should, should, should be made for it, should annul it. Why? Shema Yegar Shena. Because perhaps he will divorce her. But according to what we just said, Rabbi say when, when Rachel makes this konam nether, when does it take effect? When does it take effect? During, right now. Right now. Because that's the power of konam to dissolve, well, it's a problem of hektish, to dissolve all pre-existing entitlements, which sounds like 
if Rachel makes this nether during marriage, she actually dissolves the husband's right to her earnings right then and there. So why does Rabbi Yochanan Benuri say that he should annul it? Because maybe they'll get divorced. Nothing to do with divorce, they'll do it right now. To which the woman says, right, Tani, v'od shema yigarsheno. Ultimately, again, what does it mean? If Rabbi Yochanan meant to say he should dissolve it now, because ultimately, again, the nether will take effect now. Furthermore, furthermore, perhaps he will divorce her. Take a look at the Ran again. The Ran will say is about uh, six lines up, seven lines up from before it gets wide. <laughs> In reality, in reality, ultimately, again, the nether works even now. The nether works now. Because as we just said before, hektish dissolves pre-existing bonds or pre-existing encumbrances. So the Gemara says, Let's say you're going to argue back and you're going to say, no, no, no. A husband has a much stronger entitlement than that. In other words, normally, Hekdish can dissolve pre-existing encumbrances and liens. But perhaps a husband's right to his wife's earnings is so strong that it even, that even Hekdish can't dissolve it. Rabbi Yochan said, still, husband should go and know that nether why? In the event that they get divorced. In the event they get divorced. So Rabbi Yochan this is absolutely pretty incredible. So what seems to come out from this sugi, Rabbi Yochan is, like Shmuel said, that we pass like Rabbi Yochan Benuri. Therefore, when a woman makes a nether that says, konam she'eni osalapicha, she makes a nether that says, ultimately again, I can, right, I make a nether, you can't get any benefit from me. So I just want to point out, the way the Raman Paskins is, halacha lamaisa, a husband does not need to annul that nether right now. He doesn't have to. Why? Because Lemaisa, 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 um, his, his entitlement cannot be undone by her nether. That's how we pass Kinalacha Lemaisa. But the Rambam says, we pass like Rabbi Yochanan, like Shmuel said, he should annul it. Why? Because it's Dvarm Shebein Olebeino. So even though the nether won't take effect now, when will it take effect? Or when could it take effect? In the event of divorce. Okay, so I'll say that's the Kor Halacha. But along this journey, we pick up another, a number of other very important nuggets. Number one, we paskin, you can't consecrate something that does not exist in this world. Now, we'll say, furthermore, we do paskin like the statement of Rabbah, namely, normally, hektish, chametz, and shechrar do have the ability to dissolve pre-existing bonds. Now, not the, not the entitlement that a husband has to his wife's earning. That can't be dissolved even by hektish. But Lamaisa, it dissolves almost everything else. So if there's an encumbrance that exists, and your Maktish, that very item that has the encumbrance upon it, it dissolves the encumbrance. Or if you have Chametz, that's encumbered. And then Pesach comes, Pesach dissolves the encumbrance. Or you have a servant or an Avikinani that is collateralized, right? Ultimately again, and then what? And then you free that servant, that collateralization ultimately again is dissolved. So we paskin like Ravah, but Rava's idea does not apply to the entitlement that a husband has to his wife's running. I will say, it's also interesting to note that if you look at this Kimara, Rava's statement has profound hashkafic implications as well. Right? Hekdish, Chametz, and Shechrer, Mafkiyin, Mide, Shibut. These items have the ability to remove something from Shibut. I will say, you know, we all suffer from Shibut. Right? What do we suffer from Shibut to? Shibut to the Sahara. Right? Often, often I'm enslaved and ensnared by the Yitzhahara. Right? I just simply, I, I do so much good. 
I try to accomplish so many good things, but often I find myself within the clutches of my wants, of my desires, of my passions, of my proclivities. And Rava says, there are three things that can help you with your Yetzirah. What are the three things? Number one, Hagdish. Infuse more Kedusha in your life. Infuse more Kedusha in your life. That's what Hagdish is. In other words, I always say, sometimes what I just have to do is I have to up my game. Right? There has to be more Kedusha. However that's going to come, more learning, more tzedakah, more chesed, better men, whatever it is, whatever your Hagdish is going to do, but there has to be more Kedusha. Number two, Chametz. They will say, what's Chametz? What's Chametz? Chametz is the Yetzirah. So I'll say, what do we do with the Yetzirah? You gotta stay away from it. You see, in life, I have to create protective fences for myself. See, if I put myself constantly in the face of temptation, if I do not create protective boundaries for myself, I'm going to fail. No person is beyond temptation. No person, right? No, literally, no person is beyond temptation. So if I don't create the proper protective fences for myself, I'm going to fail. That's Chametz. And number three, Shikhra. I will say shikhra represents, so protective fences is one level. Shikhra, I will say, then is the process through which I actively free myself of the things which are holding me back. You see, sometimes in life, I know the things that are holding me down. I'm just unwilling to let go of them. I'm unwilling to let go. And if I'm unwilling to free myself of the things that are holding me back, I'm going to constantly be enslaved to each other. So I will say, isn't that incredible? Rava, not just teaching us a halachic concept, but teaching us a hashkafic concept as well. There are three things that ultimately are able to free you from the shibut of the Yitzhahara. Hektish, put more kedusha in your life. Chametz, create for yourself protective barriers. And Shikhar, identify the things that are holding you back and find the courage to finally let go. Mishnah. A man goes in and makes a nether. Very quickly, right? A woman makes a nether, and a husband thinks that it's not his wife who made the nether, but it's his daughter who made the nether. Or or his daughter made a nether, but he thought it was his wife who made a nether. Or in this case, he, he's confused about the identity of the person who made the nether. Or or she made a nether, wife made a nether to be a nazir. He thought she made a nether to bring a carbon. Or ultimately, again, she made a nether by carbon. He thought she made a nether to be a nazir. Or she made a nether to eat figs, and he thought she made a nether to not eat grapes. Or not Jamaican love and service not Jamaican. Or she may not eat grapes. He thought she may not eat figs. Hari is a yaksubiafra. Well, in all these cases, Mishnah teaches us that Allah Lamaisa, Allah Lamaisa, if you get confused about the identity of the person who's making the nether, or you get confused about the subject of the nether, your hafara doesn't work, and you need to make a new hafara with clarity on the vower, clarity on the subject. Shkoyah. All right, Chavran Zoom, have a great day, everyone. I'm sorry? Yeah. <laughs> I'm capable of doing it as speed also.